0: Hey everyone, welcome to Caffeinated Humor. You know, there's something that happens nowadays where in Hollywood, when an actor is past his peak, when he's made all the big films that are going to make the most money, they suddenly give them a retread. And it doesn't matter if it's a plausible movie or if it's believable, it's just one that is, eh, let's do it. You know, i got to think of, God, what was that god-awful, horrible film with Kirk Douglas? And I can't remember. It was about two old guys who've been in, in prison since they were in their 20s. And now they're out in their, like, 70s. And it was all about their last hurrah. Well, they they decided they wanted to make it look like two guys, you know, just how awkward they are with the modern world and... So Kirk Douglas goes to some clothing store and picks up on this insanely hot 20-something and goes home with her and ends up having nothing but sex with her. And this is pre-Viagra, by the way, and it was just a train wreck of a movie. But because they have that kind of star power, they let him do it. And that's as bad as it ever got back in the old days. And then nowadays, I won't get into it because it'll ruin the, the, the second part of the podcast here, But there's a lot of actors that it's like, okay, their best days are behind them. So now they're gonna be in some weird ensemble film that's gonna trot them out for kind of like a... uh, God, there's a comedian, Doug Stanhope, and he does this hysterical bit about the boxer Jake LaMotta. And Jake LaMotta is in his 90s. And his... He lives in Bisbee, Arizona. And his wife is the trophy wife. But since... He's she's 30 years younger than him. But because he's in his 90s, she's in her 60s. So, you know, as he puts it, and it still makes me laugh, I've seen this bit 25 times. But he says, so the trophy's a little tarnished. It's not quite the Stanley Cup. It's more of a bowling trophy. And uh, he says she's very sweet, but she has a show that she wrote for her and Jake. And it's all about, uh, it's called Lady and the Champ. And then they, they bring out Jake LaMotta, and he's not even sure he's on stage, but he has like one or two lines to say. And it's just this this nightmare, but it's like this is what a lot of these films are like. When you take an actor that's so far past his prime that it's like why in God's name would you put him in a movie, but here he is. And it doesn't matter how believable or unbelievable it is. Now the – without giving too much away – The movie The Expendables is the same, is exactly what I'm talking about. Stallone's way past his prime, way past his prime. However, they're saying because he can work out and it shows him, you know, looking all nice and buff, he's going to be able to compete with these, you know, 25-year-old, incredibly well-trained mercenaries. In certain circumstances, yes. In other, most circumstances, absolutely not. He would be carved up for breakfast. But that would make for a bad film. So they automatically make it so that the world slows down and takes its Stallone speed. Which is kind of sad. I mean, you know, you never saw... You know, Spencer Tracy had some amazing films. In fact, his final film, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner... 1967. He was born in 1900. 1900. He died in 67. Guess Who's Coming to Dinner came out in 67, and he won. He was nominated and won a few awards posthumously. And for those that don't read much, posthumously means after you're dead. So how can a dead man win an award? Yeah, they still give it to you anyway. But it was. Possibly one of his best films, one of his most amazing films. The film that I loved him in, but not many people got to see him in, was It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. He played this conniving street detective that basically steals the money that everybody else has been driving wildly across country trying to get. And while it was a bit part, it was still good. I enjoyed it. Mainly because every funny comedian I liked in old Hollywood was in that film. And that's cool. Because that's the one time that it's acceptable. You don't want to bring out action stars and keep putting them through their paces. But old comedians? Take a tip from George Burns. The man was still pulling down a paycheck as a comedian at 100. That's a hell of a career. But I think if you take all of that... The old action stars, the horrible films that they're shoehorning these guys into. No doubt the CGI and everything that's going to make these guys not look pathetic in front of the camera. And hours in the makeup chair. And, you know, you roll all that into one big angst-filled movie binge. You have today's episode, Stallone and the Zombie Holocaust. On today's Caffeinated Humor. Okay, so I got a little shit to get off my chest. I don't think you'll hold it against me if you allow me to do so, because a huge part of this podcast is me just getting shit off my chest. That being said, here's today. Now, I'm not sure what studio head Sylvester Stallone is either sleeping with or which one he has photos of them, like raping a goat, but there has to be some sort of an explanation. How in God's name does he get movies greenlighted? I mean, there's no explanation for some of the films he's made since Rocky. Don't get me wrong. Rocky 1 and 2, awesome films. Rocky 3, an argument could be made that Rocky 3 was good. Rocky 4 and 5, stop it. Stop it right now. And then also you have to look at the the retread he did with Tommy Morrison. You know what? Here's the sad part. I don't like Stallone, but I like that film. And then poor Tommy Morrison. He died of AIDS. Now, here's the films that he did make that I despised. There was Tango and Cash, long considered to be a crime against humanity by many countries around the world. And Kurt Russell, what were you thinking? Was that just like you, you owed somebody a favor you had to do this? Next up was the movie Stop or My Mother Will Shoot. Really? Do I have to go into details why this film sucked? It's like a trick question. I feel like you're baiting me. Lincoln Hawk, possibly the first and only film about arm wrestling in history. This movie was actually banned in the country of Bali. That's how bad it is. Look it up. Rhinestone, Stallone stings country music. There, I said it out loud. I was worried that if I did, I would either lose my voice or get struck by lightning or possibly both. But deal with that little audio image in your head for the rest of your life. Party at Kitty and Studs. Now that was Stallone's 1970 contribution to porn. It was re-released in 76 as the Italian Stallion to cash in on his Rocky fame. Not very good, even by shitty porn standards. You can still find it in some dark areas of the internet. Or there's a couple of old porn houses that have it still listed. I don't know if you ordered it, if they'd be able to get it. It could be like on a, a menu at a, a restaurant. One of those ones has got like 30 pages to their menu. You get that one page that's... Nobody's opened that page for so long that it's like stuck and you can't open it so that's what I'm thinking now it begs the question why am I watching Stallone films like some sort of drug addled Alzheimer's patient here I sit as if I have no clue what kind of freakish misery I'm about to unleash on myself mainly because I've seen them before the Expendables movies with the entire Expendables cast if it's B-movie, if it's a B-movie action star that made a film in the last 25 years, no matter how good or how bad it was, they are in this film. I mean, it's almost freakish to see how badly these poor guys are aging. Dolph Lundgren is almost unrecognizable as a single brain cell character named Cutter. Here's the weird part. In real life, I believe he has two two masters degree. One of them's in chemistry. He's a chemical engineer, people. Mickey Rourke is in it, looking like he does. Play some sort of wisdom-spewing tattoo artist, which I could see him doing that. With the sole exception of Nine and a Half Weeks, which remains one of the hottest films ever made that was not porn. And we'll do an entire po- it, it would take several podcasts to get into, uh, Kim Passenger, in terms of how hot that woman is. But Jet Lee is in it. Formerly one of the most badass martial artists since Bruce Lee. Kind of get his, his ass beat in every fight and he looks a lot like a frumpy accountant. Now he went through a bit of an illness and he started him and the guy that owns uh, Alibaba.com uh, they started a form of Tai Chi, but it was called Taiji Zen, and it was kind of a physical fitness, mind and body, and religion and corporate. It was kind of like a, a Sigma Seven. Sigma Seven? I forget what that's called. But now. I'm not sure Arnold Schwarzenegger puts in a cameo as a competing mercenary. I'm not sure who has had more plastic surgery in their careers, him or Joan Rivers, but it's got to be close. Now, the only person in the whole film who both no longer has a career and yet is actually aging pretty well is Eric Roberts, of all people. Which I find amazing because if you look at Eric Roberts early in his career, there's just enough of his personality that shines through no matter what role he played, that you look at him and go, oh yeah, he's an old school coke freak. But the plot is pretty unpredictable. The cliches are many and widespread. But a shitty film acting, not bad. All in all, not a bad action film. Here's the weird part. It was one of Ronda Rousey's first steps out the door in terms of making movies. And damn, the girl not only plays action well, but she looks hot. They have her in a red dress and heels beating the shit out of guys. I actually heard a story about her that she was at a theater and this guy was slapping around his girlfriend in the lobby. And she said something. She was dressed down, had a hat on. No, She didn't look like much. And evidently the guy uh, told her to mind her own effing business or he'd smack her around. And I guess she uh, she like threw him or hit him or something, just knocked him on his ass. It's like, get a good look at... I realize she got her ass handed to her by both Holly Holm and and, uh, Amanda Nunez. But the girl is still an Olympic judoka. And she's been taking enough martial arts. She knows how to fight. She just lost to some better fighters. Now, as I said, all in all, not a bad action film. Now, I watched the film uh, Expendables 1. And I have the rest keyed up they look awesome I've seen them all before but it's just I decided okay all in one evening I need to see you know the waste of time and money it was going to see it I'm thankful I didn't go to the theaters because if I had paid 15 bucks a throw to see this series I'd be pissed you know I think anybody that put that kind of money out the answer to that question is they'd be pretty pissed off but I'm going to watch them anyway Pop a little corn, have a soda, kick back. Now, I learned a long time ago that just because a film sucks doesn't mean you shouldn't see it. Otherwise, zombie films and old school kung fu films would not exist. And if you've never seen the 36 Chamber of the Samurai, do yourself a favor. One of the most amazing films ever made. And it's just cheap beyond repair, but it was a great kung fu film. Now, speaking of zombie films, without the entire backlog of crappy, low-rent zombie films out there, you would have never gotten a green light for the series The Walking Dead and then the spin-off Fear the Walking Dead. Those were the two... Fear the Walking Dead is really the only spinoff you want to see. Now, they were amazing series. I'm just finishing up binge-watching uh, Fear the Walking Dead. Never saw it before. Oh, my God. That is both two great series. And here's the cool part there's no aging, crappy action stars trying to reboot a career in them. So, since it's gonna be several hours and I need to stay awake, time for some coffee.